It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests, and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. Well, it's change of pace day here at the podcast. Just you and me and my head cold, garden nerds. This week, I'm going to share some seasonal advice about perennial vegetables and bare root fruit trees. But first, a quick announcement. If you haven't heard already... My new book, Grow Your Own Mini Fruit Garden, comes out on March 9th, 2021, but you can pre-order today. It just became available uh, everywhere books are sold. If you want to find out where you can pre-order this book, visit the Garden Nerd store and click on the cabbage on the homepage, or click on the book cover on the right margin to find all the places where you can get your copy ahead of time. Support your local bookstore's if you can, because they are suffering right now, and we all can do our part to help. Now, on with the show. It's November, and it is the perfect time to order, or pre-order, I should say, bare root, fruit trees, and perennial vegetable crowns from seed catalogs. First of all, what is bare root? What does that mean? Well, a bare root fruit tree is sold in its dormant state and without soil, so it is It comes to you looking like a stick or a dead ball of roots. Uh, That's what crowns look like. And they um, they will pretty much look that way until you plant them out, and then they will start to leaf out once dormancy breaks. Why are bare root fruit trees better than buying potted plants at the nursery? Well, most of the time, nurseries are limited in the amount of varieties, the diversity, the biodiversity that they can supply. So when you go to a nursery, you may only find two or three different varieties of a peach tree or a plum or a nectarine or an avocado or whatever. But a seed catalog is going to have a lot more varieties available. And they are also less expensive because they're sold in a dormant state, which means they're very lightweight, and you can box up up to 10 varieties in one box. (laughs) So you can start an entire orchard with one shipment instead of having to have trees that are planted in soil and are very heavy delivered to your house. And the varieties that are available online or through specialty, specialty organizations like Rare Fruit Growers of California, for example, allow you uh, a chance to try out something you might not even see at your nursery ever. So it's a great time to explore what's available for you and your area and take the plunge. Typically, the timing for ordering bare root fruit trees is order in October and November. They're usually delivered depending on where you are, where your zip code is, and your hardiness zone anytime between December and early spring. And you plant your trees when you receive them if your ground hasn't frozen over. If your ground freezes over, they're not going to ship it to you until your your, uh, last frost, most likely, when you're able to dig in the ground. So let's talk about how to choose varieties because there is a skill to this and there are a couple of things you need to know before you make a choice. Because I know I hear from a lot of people, they all want to grow Honeycrisp apples. Well, Honeycrisp apples only grow in places where they get, you know, 600 to 800 chill hours. And here in Southern California and other places that are coastal, we don't get those hours. So you need to know what chill hours are. First of all, a chill hour is technically temperatures where nighttime temperatures during the winter 
fall below 45 degrees, or temperatures in general. Trees require a certain amount of chill in order to break bud and fruit the following spring. If you plant a tree that has higher chill requirements than you have in your location, you may get leaves but never any fruit. So it's really worth doing the research to make sure you're getting the right tree for your area. For example, where I live here in coastal Los Angeles, we need as low chill as you can get because there are some years where we don't even get 150 chill hours. We usually buy fruit trees that need 150 to 300 on the low side. 500, if you live in a, have a microclimate, 500 is the maximum for low chill hours that I would go. If you can get lower than that, that's better. I have two fruit trees in my yard that are both 500 chill hours. One of them does great because it's in a microclimate up against a wall where it gets morning shade, so it gets more chill than the one that I have planted out front that is in full sun. The one out front never produced anything. The one in back gets fruit every year. So it's important to observe your microclimates on your property to see what's going to work for you. I ended up changing out that front tree, by the way, to a lower chill fruit tree that's lower than 300 chill hours. Now, if you live in northern climates or places that get snow, this is not a concern for you. You are going to get between 800 and 1,000 chill hours a season. And so those are the places where you can grow pears with ease, apples with ease, and a lot of stone fruits that require higher chill. Cherries also. Those are all things that require more chill hours. But if you live in coastal climates and you don't know your chill hours, you can always grow figs because they don't, they don't really have a chilling requirement very little at all. Now, so that's chill hours. You can look up your chill hours or what's regular or historic for your weather in your area by typing in chill hours and your zip code. And you may be led to a couple of university websites that are tracking that kind of information. And you can base your purchases on that information and move ahead from there. The next thing you want to be aware of is bearing times. You want to choose fruit trees that produce fruit at different times than all the other fruit trees in your yard so that you have a succession of fruit throughout the year if you, if possible or at least through the growing season instead of having everything show up at once. So if possible, choose an early variety of a peach, a mid-season variety of a plum, and a late-season variety of a nectarine and you'll have a longer harvest period than you would if you planted all of the same varieties that produce at the same time. And of course, the third factor is flavor. You know, grow what you like to eat. Don't pick something that's just interesting because it's interesting. Grow it because at least most of your family members want to eat it. Because otherwise, you're going to end up with a kumquat tree out front that only one person likes to eat. I'm just saying. And we pulled it and put in a tangerine. Knowledge is power, folks. All right, so let's pause for a moment and talk about perennial vegetables. Because now is a very, very good time to pre-order Things like rhubarb crowns, asparagus crowns, horseradish and Jerusalem artichokes, and bare root strawberries, if you're planning on putting those in the ground. These can be, in warm winter climates, planted in the fall, and then they will leap out in spring. In cold places, they'll often 
send them to you as soon as your frost date passes, and then you'll be able to plant those and have an abundance of perennial fruits and vegetables growing in your yard. So I think it's a, I always think, you know, it's a permaculture concept to include perennial vegetables as much as possible in your, in your property, in your landscape, in your garden, because they're the resilient crops. They're the ones that can tolerate drought stress and odd temperatures and weird things that happen in our weird climate change world. So consider adding these perennial vegetables to your garden this year. See what happens. Now let's talk about soil prep because it really is the key to success. Uh, it's a good idea to plan ahead and especially if you have soil that is known for carrying diseases, like all the fungal diseases and root rot issues, if you talk to your neighbors and your soil is known for having that kind of issue, the only solution is preparation ahead of time. There are no treatments for a lot of these root rot diseases and other fungal infestations. You just have to pull it out and start again. But if your soil is well-draining and full of organic matter and biologically active, you're less likely to encounter these imbalances and the poor drainage that leads to these fungal diseases and root rot issues. Okay? So... <laughs> Plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead. And that means don't buy the tree and then dig the hole and put it in the tree. It means pre-order the tree, prep your soil now before the ground freezes over, and then plant in spring. And if it makes sense to dig the hole now before your ground freezes over, go ahead and do that. But by prepping the soil, I mean amending the area and not just the hole where the tree is going to be planted, but the entire diameter of where the tree will reach to maturity, roots and canopy. So if you're buying a semi-dwarf tree, that will reach 8 to 10 feet in diameter and height, 15 if you let it go unchecked. And so it's a good idea to amend the soil in that entire area. And that means putting down a couple inches of compost, digging it in all the way through. Because if you only amend the planting hole, trees and their roots will have no motivation whatsoever to reach out beyond that richly amended planting hole. And you want that. So native soil is key. Mix in uh, soil amendments in the whole area rather than just the planting hole, and you're off to a great start. Okay, now it is tip time, and I know it just sounds like I gave you a bunch of tips, but you want to dig a hole that is shaped like a saucer rather than the shape of a nursery container. You don't want a cylinder in the ground, you want a saucer or a bowl. It should be the same depth as the roots, which means, you know, if it's bare root, take a look at the root mass, and if you're going to trim up the roots, measure that and and dig your hole that deep or if you are planting something in a nursery container it's to the soil height and no deeper and sometimes even less deep i'll explain that in a minute you also want the hole to be two to three times as wide with sloped sides that way it helps the roots spread out as the trees grow in and of course if you're amending the whole area as i mentioned earlier even better now, the other thing you need to know about planting a tree is not to plant it too deep. You want the first root flare exposed. Let's talk a little bit about root flares and graft unions, because graft unions have to be above the soil level. But most oftentimes, in nursery stock anyway, the root ball has been buried too deep beneath the soil. So 
Most nurseries will recommend that you plant a tree at the same depth as the soil level that you buy it at. And if it's a bare root tree, you're going to see a soil line, a change in color on the trunk of the tree, even though there is no soil present. What I want you to look for is the first root flare. And that is the, the first root that curves out away from the trunk that is somewhere located between the root mass and that graft union. It's very important to have that first root flare exposed at the top of the soil. So don't bury your trees too deep. That is what most people do, and that is often why trees don't thrive. So if you can dig your hole properly, locate the root, first root flare, and keep it above the soil level, just barely, then you're all good. So those are my tips for bare root fruit trees and crowns for perennial vegetables. For this season. You'll find links to resources where you can find bare root fruit trees and crowns and of course the link to pre-order Grow Your Own Mini Fruit Garden which has pretty much everything I've just talked about and so much more so you can feel well prepared to start your own mini fruit garden next spring. You'll find information for all of that on the accompanying blog post that goes with this podcast. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at GardenNerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under GardenNerd1, on Facebook as GardenNerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!